Hi, I'm Phnom. Hi, I'm Mardis. And we're the hosts of Future Future, where two designers talk about the future of everything. We're in the business of turning science fiction into reality for a better future. And today, we're going to talk about evolution versus revolution. So when you look at the landscape of products that are out there, products you buy for yourself, products you buy for your family or your friends, it's a lot of the same stuff, you know, smartphones, laptop, headphones, whatever, and they're kind of boring. They're definitely boring. Yeah, it's a lot of the same architecture, the same functions, like who has the biggest, slimmest, fastest products, very feature heavy, yep. which is why, you know, everything is based on reviews that you find online and to us designers and futurists it's it's a little bit you know repetitive what we want is to see more revolution out there but we also understand that evolution is important you know because that's the basis of a healthy economy it's the designer's job to uh, really understand the status quo of any industry we work in and really break it down and see where the opportunities are does it make sense to create an evolution of a product, something that's quite similar to what's out there, but better in some ways? Or is it better to create a revolution? You know, basically being tired of what's been going on so far because it's not working for most users and using technology and tools that we have access to today to truly change for the better. So people love to gravitate towards the familiar. They love a product that is similar to something they've already used. It's very successful in the market. When they're spending money on it, they don't have to go crazy and like say, oh, is this gonna work in a year? It's very familiar. And the good thing about that is, is you know, it's, it's um, in line with their expectations. So I'm a brand, I've been around for a long time. I have the, all these customers, they're following me, loving me. I don't have to make huge investments in R&D. I can create my product line with subtle evolutions, nothing too crazy, keep everybody, um, all my customers, and everybody is still buying products. It's a really, really smart move when you look at like how the money flows, the investment, uh, the time to get to market. This is all really, really good, powerful stuff that uh, existing brands wanna do. Or you can be a visionary in that company, you know, recently hired or has been there for a long time. Or you can be a startup that is hungry to disrupt an industry. And then you come up with a revolution. The revolution of a product um, means that you're bringing to the market something that is better. Is it better in the usability? Is it better in the way it's, you know, hurting the environment a little bit less? Is it revolutionary in the way it's completely disrupt the way an industry has been tackling solutions, uh, that is your choice, right? And us as designers, we can help you strategize and figure out how to turn that disruption into reality. When we went from CDs to MP3 players, that was a revolution, right? When we went from uh, film cameras to digital cameras, it was a revolution. And if you're a startup, as you said, like having those revolutions really, you can't compete with the big boys doing all these, you know, designs, all the uh, well ingrained brands to compete on their landscape. So you have to change the landscape to your favor. So they invest in R&D, they run super fast, they probably spend a lot of money and take tons of risk, risk of failure, right? Mm -hmm. But the risk for reward ratio 
is amazing because if they win, they change the game, they've captured the market and left all those ingrained brands behind. And this is super important if you're a cutting edge new startup trying to make a uh, new brand. So let's take a look at a few examples of evolution and revolution. Here we have a classic headphone. It has the band, it has the ear cans that hold the speakers. Um, we've seen this design a lot or something very similar. It's sort of commoditized at this point. These types of headphones are everywhere and the quality changes and the brand and some minor details, but it's basically an evolution of an existing headphone. Um, this is great. This works out fine. It's a great example. If we look at another evolutionary example of a headphone, here we have the Marley headphones that we worked on. And what was really interesting about this is while it's still that classic form factor that we all know and love, it uses uh, recycled aluminum. It uses soy-based inks and plastic bottle-based uh, fabrics. So everything is really built with the idea that it can be disassembled, recycled easily, and then it's really just an evolution, but a really good, thoughtful evolution. The story that the brand can tell about the evolution of their product is amazing. Now we've designed these a number of years ago and they're still a market leader and they st still stand out from the crowd because they do have the sustainability story and we absolutely love that. So now let's talk about revolution. Here I have the pair of Halo Sport 2 from Halo Neuroscience that we designed. You can see that on our website. And basically this product exists because um, scientists took uh, what they have been researching for many years in the lab and put it into you know, everybody's lives. Mm -hmm. And so this product actually stimulates the motor cortex in order to help you learn movement faster. So the way it does it is that it stimulates your motor cortex and who knows where your motor cortex is? I didn't know what it was. You yeah. probably don't know. Yep, most people don't. The motor cortex happens to be right underneath the band of a classic pair of headphones. So when you put on a pair of headphones and your electrodes are right here, you don't even know, need to know where your motor cortex is. You know exactly how to put it on, right? And it's going to be in the right place. And that um, is making a very complex product intuitive. And on top of that, when you go to the gym and work out and learn new movements, you don't get to look weird by having this like brain stimulator like sticking out on your head and walking around the gym. You actually just, you know, from the outside, just pair, wear a pair of headphones. Now, another revolutionary product that takes it, you know, yet another step out is this pair here. So these are on-ear headphones. The difference is, as you can see, there's no band between. You know, it's two independent speakers that go into your ear. And so it sits on top of your ear and attaches to your ear this way. And what's great about these is that they allow you to uh, have the convenience that you would have with earbuds, but also the sound quality that you might have with on-ear headphones. And also, you know, there are many other conveniences like wearing big hair. You know, if I have an afro, uh, I can actually wear these as well. So these are great stories about evolution and revolution. And I think there's a, a conversation going on about consumption as well. When we evolve a product, we want to make sure it's done really, really well, as in the, the House of Marley headphones. They're sustainable. They're doing something smart. They're making the product better. Um, as with the revolution, we're really improving people's lives. So if people are consuming products, we want to make sure they're doing it for the right reasons. We don't want to consume products that end in a landfill. We don't want to consume products that break after a year or uh, you know, have fatigue or cause people to hurt themselves. We want to make everything we do 
is a drastic improvement, whether just drastically evolving it or drastically revolutionizing it. So as designers, how do we push revolutionary ideas? So all practicing designers have been um, you know, set in front of hurdles. People who don't believe in revolutionary ideas or don't want to take the risk, don't want to spend the money in R&D or the, or the time and money uh, towards it. So designers have to put very defendable ideas that can be tested quickly and uh, developed uh, quickly as well. And we have to have enough experience, enough knowledge, enough communication skills to convince the people in front of us because we'll have to convince the CEO, we have to convince marketing, we'll have to convince the technical people, we'll have to convince the people developing the components that our idea is actually a, a good one to begin with, but also is going to make the whole industry better. Uh, a good company is a company that inspires with innovation, right? It inspires the people to buy the product, it inspires other companies to perhaps copy them, um, it inspires the people who work within the company to really believe that what they're doing is not the same old same stuff, but it's actually new and exciting and really, um, you know, solves very beautiful problems. There are a few hurdles that can get in the way of the success of a revolutionary product. And sometimes they're not the hurdles that you would expect, you know, money or, you know, ideas. Sometimes they're regulations. Sometimes there's laws, legalities, certification. Every product that you get that has a battery in it has to be certified. Every medical device has to be certified. And, you know, we, these certifications and regulations are for really good reasons, but they oftentimes hamper innovation or at least just slow it down drastically. And we've all heard those stories with the FDA. So, you know, sometimes we have to work around these. Sometimes we do a lot of different tricks to um, uh, still innovate, but not be held back by uh, the governing bodies. And one of the things I like to look at is when we uh, look at different products, we, we step outside of ourselves. We step out of um, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is by far not the only place in the world that has innovative ideas. If you go into communities that are underserved, that may not have all the access to the technology or the resources that Silicon Valley has or somewhere else, there's a lot of, like, they have to get by refugee camps, uh, places like that, that may not have all the food sources, the building resources, natural materials. They figure out ways to get by because one way or another, life will survive. And there's beautiful amounts of innovation happening there. And I think this is really important story. It's a sort of a, a world story about what's innovative to one country may not be innovative to, innovative to another. So it's really good to do this ethnographic research. It's really good to dive deep into user studies and figure out what floats to the top and really can stand out as a revolutionary product. So next time we have a client that comes from uh, emerging economies in Africa, South America, or some places in Asia, we really want them to think and believe that if they do the same thing as Silicon Valley, it's not gonna be that interesting for anybody. It's not going yeah. to serve their local people. They need to come up with ideas that are rich, that are beautiful, that really serves their, um, their target audience and, and, and really put forth ideas that nobody else on the planet has ever thought of. And if at the end you get copied by Silicon Valley, good on you. Yeah, that's a compliment all the way. 
So why are designers so interested in doing revolution? One, we don't want to be bored at work, right? We want to break the status quo. We want to shake things up. We want to look back 100 years and say, why has it been the same way for so long? And, and now that we have this technology that we can merge with this other technology and then inject into this industry, uh, why can't we take advantage of that and be ahead of everybody? And the other main reason is we are here to build a better tomorrow and a better products and better companies and, and more responsibility in the world. And we have the power of doing that because we know how to take different disciplines and have them listen to each other and make the right decisions for the future. And if you are a conscientious uh, designer, you can actually do that and save money and actually attract more, um, more uh, target audience. So the takeaway is both evolution and revolutionary products are super important for creating great brands and doing better for the world. We wanna invest the time in to create products that just make us all feel better, make us all interact with the world better and leave less of a environmental impact behind. And if we do this and we do this well, it can help build our brand equity. And when we build brand equity, we are followed by more people that believe in what we believe as a brand, we follow our story and they invest in us with their money. If you have an idea about revolutionizing an ind industry or want our help, that is what we do every day here at Nonfiction. We can help you break down that status quo. We can help you take the risk that all your colleagues are too afraid of taking. And we can turn that into reality by building prototypes very quickly, by testing them very quickly, and by showing to the world that yes, it is possible because we have access to so many great technologies to help us do things faster, cheaper, and more beautiful. So thank you for joining us on this revolutionary journey today. And we look forward to seeing you and being creative with you another time. Bye-bye.